Hi, and welcome to the IBSI podcast series. I'm Sunira Kolostiak, and this podcast was recorded prior to LiquidNet's March 2021 acquisition by TPICAP Group. In this episode, I'm speaking to Vicky Sanders at LiquidNet about their news business investment analytics, which she heads, as well as how traders should be utilising artificial intelligence and machine learning to support them in what continues to be a very volatile environment. Vicky, thanks so much for speaking to me. Tell me about LiquidNet and investment analytics or IA. Yeah, of course. I'm Vicky Sanders. I'm Global Head of Investment Analytics at LiquidNet. LiquidNet is a next-generation fintech company. Our trading and liquidity network intelligently connects the world's investors to the world's investments. We officially launched our product suite in October of 2020. What we're doing is surfacing curated, personalized, and prioritized investment intelligence directly to those investment teams as and when they need it. So how we do that is by combining the latest artificial intelligence technologies, so quantitative analytics, machine learning, advanced search, NLP, with a wide array of the data and content that a trader or a PM needs. So that's market data, news, corporate communications, alternative data, research, and others. And we work to accelerate and improve the investment decision and trading uh, processes, which is focused on helping institutional investors to strengthen their conviction, work more efficiently as individuals and as teams, and also ultimately looking to help improve fund performance. So what were the biggest challenges you faced when developing IA and its product suite? You said you launched in October. So how did the coronavirus add to those challenges? Yeah, that's a great question. So investment analytics represents bringing together four separate businesses. We are the child of of acquisition and combining their products as well. So the first challenge that we had was setting up the team, bringing individuals together, bringing in any new people to fill gaps that we had. Now, thankfully, the tech stacks were mostly agreeable. So we didn't have as many challenges on that front. But if you know, I cast my mind back to the beginning of the year, we set out with a big plan to um, develop new product and to ultimately launch. And then all of a sudden, a, a global pandemic hits. So you know, we left our office earlier than most. We sit within an agency broker, so we wanted to ensure we weren't bringing in any extra risk or the disease into the office. But we had a lot of experience working remotely, as many of our teams were at startups before. So the team just did an absolutely phenomenal job adjusting it's strong communication and collaboration. And actually, our team is in many different cities around the world. So some of those geographic barriers were dropped. So it doesn't matter when you're on a team's call, where in the world you might be. But of course, you know, there are challenges to that. Virtual whiteboard doesn't replace the real thing. When we think about our routes to market, you know, we launched, but we couldn't have a big launch event. We're not having the same in-person conferences. You can't you know, have your stand to get some presence and and reach people. So it has gone all digital and email based. One of the other things we realized is we often start our trials in person, sitting at someone's desk, getting their settings in place. And that was a lot harder to do. So we're actually doing some product work to tweak, to make adjustments. So it's easier to do virtually um, what we were doing in person before. Yeah, I mean, 
A conversation I've had a few times in the past year is that remote working has been a great opportunity to work on bug fixes and creating solid foundations. But the creative and innovative side of companies are suffering because a conference call doesn't mirror a brainstorming session where you're able to bounce ideas of each other in the same way. So is that something you've experienced? To a certain degree, one example that comes to mind is with IA Trader. We spent a little over a year rebuilding a previous product. And in that, our focus was to reduce the amount of screen space we used and make it an easier to use product and also surface information more easily. So that actually fits in incredibly well to how people are working with their smaller screens or limited number of screens that they might have in their home office relative to being on a trading floor where people get four, six, eight monitors. So we were already on course for developments like that. We have been able to innovate and come up with new ideas. And some of our folks are in St. Louis, some are in New York, some are in London, And we've been able to get our London and St. Louis teams really working hand in hand, where I think that would have been harder if we were in the office, because you just have those natural boundaries that are set up in terms of getting people into a meeting room. When you're in a a virtual meeting room, again, it matters less where that person is physically located, or you don't have to put someone on a plane to go on a trip for an offsite um, to go tackle some of the innovation dilemmas that you might be facing. So how has the IA product suite performed so far in what's been a very volatile year uh, with so much going on, like coronavirus and the US election, just to name two? Yeah, huge amount of market volatility, (laughs) endless news flow. Our products are all about surfacing actionable insights. So when we deal in markets like these, our traders, they need a second set of eyes. And that's really what our product's all about. So we've had some fantastic recent feedback from our users about receiving alerts on small cap names where price, liquidity, news flow, short interest were all triggering. And it's it's not something he would have seen. He had actually missed it himself. And similar on our IAPM product, you know, our portfolio managers, they're getting a, a heads up display of what's going on across their name so they're not missing things and when markets move this quickly whether it's share prices moving double digit on any given day or just an overwhelming amount of news rating changes you know information to be monitoring and consuming and that's really helping them to stay on top of things one thing that we've recently launched which fits in to these markets is news buzz so it's the ability to quantify and capture the volume of news on any particular name and that news intensity has definitely mirrored market volatility in 2020 um, and probably unlikely a change in the near future. Um, so this is something we're working on continuing to evolve um, how news buzz can be integrated in for, for traders and PMs. You know, and, and another space we operate in is a research marketplace as part of our research hub. And discovery has been a lot harder for research providers. If you're a well-known large provider, you're still reaching your clients in the same way through the inbox, through IB chats, through calls. But if you're undiscovered and trying to increase your market share and get broader distribution, like I said, you don't have those discovery tools like events and conferences, face-to-face meetings to really be found and then prove yourself. So we're seeing that we're meeting a growing challenge that's coming up in that space. And then, you know, with all this 
news flow activity with all the changes that businesses have gone through, measuring corporate sentiment is also an area where we see an, a lot of increased demand. And the same would be true for our central bank sentiment product, which is interesting to me because we're operating in a zero interest rate environment, but it's something that macro firms are keeping a very close eye on in terms of the sentiment and the language that's coming out of central bank speakers. Yeah, so like you said, there's definitely been a lot of developments lately that need to be addressed. So if we look at the technology aspect, what role does that play in generating investment ideas? And how do you view the current state of AI adoption? Yeah, another good question. You know, probably far along as an industry when we talk about technology broadly, right? So in our not-too-distant past, if you wanted to know the share price, you had to call up your broker. If you got a research report, you might have got it by fax machine. So when we fast forward to where we are today, portfolio managers can wake up, they can check prices, news on their phone. And we've seen with this sort of move to different delivery mechanisms that there's just a lot more data available. So it takes 85 hours to evaluate a new data set, costs millions of dollars if you want to fund a small data science team. So the question really comes is how can AI adoption help to solve for those problems? And we see an opportunity in democratizing access to help drive that adoption so that we can help firms to save the cost and the time of doing it themselves. But I think you need to understand and to really have unique examples of the value prop that artificial intelligence can bring. So saving people time on some of those low value ad tasks and that second set of eyes that I mentioned before, and also how to tackle growth in data as a fundamental investor to bring that into your process or into your execution strategy. So we've recently hired three new data scientists because it's an area we want to invest in so that we can provide that type of service um, as part of our offering to drive more adoption of AI in the industry. Absolutely. So AI has arguably become the most popular buzzword in in the financial services industry over the past years. So why do traders need to start thinking about AI right now? Yeah, it is very easy to get caught up in the phraseology here. And I think it's as much alphabet soup as it is buzzword bingo, right? You have AI, ML, NLP, RNN, supervised, unsupervised learning, and we could get lost in that all day long. So when it comes to a business person, to a trader or a PM, I think for them, it's much more about focusing on the problems that need solving. Right? We're seeing a lot of conversation and demand and automation to save time and to support performance. And that's where the AI toolkit really comes into play. And it's really about getting people comfortable on which tasks the machines can be trained to support and ultimately where PM or trader might offload to free up more of their own cognitive capacity to tackle those difficult challenges. So the question isn't, you know, which of the tools should be used, but what can be delegated to the computers, to AI, to help solve for those real problems that a trader or PM is facing. And lastly, tell me about the roadmap that you have going forward and what have you got going on? Yeah, we have a huge focus on execution and delivering on that mantra I was talking about earlier. So how we surface curated, personalized and prioritized actionable insights 
So there's a lot of areas that we're working on in our data science team, combining the strengths that we have in natural language, processing and unstructured data with our structured data analytics. And that's a space where we see a gap in the market to, again, create that AI assistance for a fund manager or trader to consume all of the written content that's available for them. So all the news that's coming out, all the corporate primary source documents. There's a lot on workflow efficiency as well and that interconnection that naturally exists between a trader and a portfolio manager, the others in their organization in terms of how they each support each other. And our tools overlap to a certain degree with the data and content available in both, but they're built around those different personas. So we're focused on how we can create more efficiency tools, both for each individual as well as for their own organizations. And we're also doing some work on how we can help the sell side as much as the buy side. So they're facing similar challenges in terms of margin pressure, headcount reductions, trying to do more with less. And that's where we see ourselves providing these utility type solutions, leveraging the latest AI to solve for, you know, their real world problems in terms of time saving and ultimately better service to their end clients. Vicky, thank you so much.